A good truck's got maybe 300,000 You only get so much until it's gone Duracells and a mag light <laughs> I can't take this song seriously the kind of things that only last so long <laughs> When the new wears off and they get to getting old Time's gonna take its toll. They say nothing lasts forever, but they Man, big massive hooks, say on these country songs. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so it's so cliche for a country artist to reference a truck in the first ten seconds of a song. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> it's not like my car. It's always a truck. <laughs> yeah, it's always, always a truck. Always a truck. It's like a rule. Yeah, well, in rap music, they like recommend yeah. they they reference blowjobs like immediately. Yeah, yeah, and like it's never just it's never just on the shelf champagne. You know, it's the stuff that's locked behind the glass, yeah, yeah, the Cristal yeah, yeah. or the whatever nowadays. You're right. Every genre of music has its own cliches. Blue jeans after blue jeans, solo cups on a Sunday afternoon. You know, like these songs write themselves. Uh, as soon as soon as you started playing it, right off the top, there was that lick there. I was like, I, I wrote a country song with like the exact same lick. Yeah. Well, you know, I, the reason why we're playing country music is I just said to like Mora and Bundes, I'm like, what what format have we not hit on really recently in a podcast? And Mora's like, country. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> this is actually the highest charting country song right now on the Hot 100. It's called Forever After All. I get it. I mean. Yeah. You just, you have to go in with an open mind. An open mind, <laughs> and you just have to let it go. It's almost like watching a bad horror movie or like a funny uh, uh, Ron Burgundy movie or Will Ferrell yeah. movie. You just have to like suspend all disbelief heading into the song and accept it. You know what, what kind it is? of country music I think I can get behind is like more bluegrass country music. I want to hear more banjo. I want to hear more. Like someone hitting a broom on a ground on the ground, you know. <laughs> like from the forties and thirties. I mean, I just think of like Johnny Cash, and uh, I think about like yeah, what's that? What's that big song, Johnny Cash? Oh, for the Folsom Prison Blues. I think about like you know that kind of like bass line and the and the band. I hear the train a coming. It's coming around. Yeah. <laughs> This, this is country I can get behind. I hear the train coming, it's rolling around the bend. Right? And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. Yes! You want it? That's a foot stomper that right there. That's a foot stomper! On down to San Antonio. God, it just makes me think of that movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I I like um, a little more like garage rock um, kind of blues country where where it's like it doesn't sound full on twangy country, but there's a lot of guitar influence like blues guitar or country guitar like. Um, there's this, this band called Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. This is kind of like what you're talking about more, like with the stomping uh, thing here. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's my stomp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
a little more like it's yeah. a little more rock and roll. Yeah. Well, everything's going down. Nothing seems to feel the same. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, it's cool. No one seems to know my name. Kind of sounds like Tom Petty's here. No one seems to go my way. It's kind of like blues meets rock meets country. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can get behind this, man. I want to be at a country festival sitting on a bale of hay. Yeehaw, baby. <laughs> you know, eating a freshly picked apple. It's it, Lyrically, <laughs> it, it, the cliches don't stand out as much in this kind of format, you know? Yeah, because... It, it, or this stuff. This is they're not writing country lyrics. It's it's more like um, it's more rocky and or bluesy in its lyrics. Yeah. But it's the slide guitars like that. And the harmonica. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of Bob Dylan esque. Actually, yeah. Okay, here's one for you to listen to. Okay. Speaking of country music. I'm still alive. What about like old Willie Nelson? Uh, this is the Highway Men. Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. I'm losing my foot stomp, you know? Yeah. I'm okay. losing that raw kind of barn. I want a barn dance. Like, hook me up with a barn dance. I kind of like the storytelling country. Yeah. Too. Right. Like, that's same with Folsom Prison Blues. You hear the whole story about how he shot, he shot people. Yeah. And it's usually badass people, these stories, right? It's like I walked down the highway yeah. and I killed a motherfucker in the head. You know what I mean? It's not like it's Sunday and I'm getting drunk in my pickup truck with yeah. jeans and a solo cup. Yeah, it's more. It's, lyrics can be deeper. You can't just say that the whole genre has like lyrics that are meaningless. I don't think that's appropriate. I think a lot of the hits songs I, that are I, catchy and overly yeah. produced have that cliche to them. I'm not saying that they're meaningless. I'm saying they are cliche. That mm. they lean on the same things, but every format does. So mm. it's uh, it's just for some reason in country they stand out more to me. Mm. A lot of hip hop too. I mean, there's like crazy cliches <laughs> of shoddy and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gang who love to give hummers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Blowjobs come out uh, come up a lot. <laughs> I know. I know they do. Sometimes it's great when you're at a club and you just see all these like you see all these people dancing to these songs and you're just like they're so misogynistic. <laughs> but everyone's embracing everyone's the misogyny, like, you know? Right. Yeah. Just I know. Who cares? Who cares? Loving it. Not thinking about That's it. That's why know? I love like Megan the Stallion and I love Nicki Minaj and I love Cardi B because they're like, go down on me yeah. for a change. Suck my pussy. Hello. And Wet I, ass pussy, and, right? And was, you know what? That was needed. That was needed. A complete 180. Sure was. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday during our podcast, if you happen to catch it, we got on the topic of like people who have those jobs where they get to get paid in cash for some of it and they got to keep some of it in like legit on the books and... uh you know, I was sort of saying, like, while I do enable that, because if I can get a deal, sometimes I would <laughs> be willing to pay cash if it saves me a lot of money. So I'm I'm part of the problem. But I was saying it's a little unfair that there's so many people in society who have to pay their full share 
of taxes because they get paid a salary from a company and you can't hide any of that. Yeah. And uh, Jordan reached out to us and he works sort of in like the world of trades and where there's the opportunity to take cash. And I believe, Jordan, you wanted to comment on our conversation yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, there was a couple things that I heard there that I was like, you know what, that 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 is true. Um, so, first of all, like, being a sole proprietor for a business owner, trying to get a mortgage is, like, next to impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, because Even if that, you have, like, a track record of, uh, of tax documents that show a level of income over a period of time? Correct. So, like... I I claim everything. Even if somebody pays me in cash, I claim it, and I take you know I take that little bit of a hit, um, just because you know I'm I'm trying to buy my first house. Like I'm I'm 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I I've owned my business now for about five years. Um, it does you know I, I does relatively okay. Um, but even if I claim everything, me to get a mortgage by myself, it's like, I'm lucky if I get, like, a $200,000 mortgage. You know, it's funny that um, you bring that up because I have a friend who's a doctor, and when she first very just started practicing, she had, like, a, a, the income of an uh, intern or whatever they call it, a resident. A resident, mm-hmm. Which is, like, a fraction of what they would make as a specialist. Okay. Once they yeah. start working. And she was going to be making hundreds of thousands of dollars as a specialist. Mm-hmm. They had to go to a bank that specialized in providing mortgages to doctors because they understood what was happening and what the future income would look like. Because based on her income level and in that moment, she would never qualify to buy the kind of house that they wanted to buy that they could afford knowing what her future income would be. So it was, yeah, yeah, there was a period of time. Now, I'm sure she's worked long enough now that she'd be able to qualify for anything. But at the beginning of her career, and I'm surprised there isn't a bank that specializes in people who work in trades and and work for themselves, you know? There there is, but the thing is, like, there's no, there's no track record to say that, you know, in, in five or 10 years from now, you're going to be, you know, one of those contractors that are bringing in a million a year kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like... So the interest rate doesn't change. You go in, you're, you're still considered high risk, but you're more likely to get that loan. So you're saying like what I remember Maura did this when she had a mortgage for a business, right? Like you ended up getting this crazy uh, rate that was Good. like yeah. so much higher than any conventional mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> even though yeah. you lived in the building too. You yeah, know? yeah. They didn't care. They didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, like, so even if you claim all of your your cash that you get on the sides, like it, it still in the long run doesn't matter to the government. So that's why a lot of contractors are like, well, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to take this cash and that cash will go towards uh, a vacation come winter time or, okay. you know, so you're th- you're saying it's a way for people who like get paid in cash to fight back a little bit against the system that they think is rigged against them. A, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, mm. I know, I know I I've done it. Like, and, and it also helps for like, you know, being a sole proprietor, I don't have employees. So I have subcontractors. So they basically send me a bill at the end of a job and I pay them as a subcontractor. So I don't have to pay into 
any of their WSIV, any of their EI, like they take yeah. care of all of that on their own. They can do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I'm covered. And then if I need help for, you know, a week or something like that, and I can, you know, one of my, one of my friends are, are slow at work or something like that, I can bring them in and I can pay them cash out of the cash that I've collected. Mm. So that way it's, you know, it's kind of all spread around in the end. Yeah. So do you got a big shoe box? <laughs> what do you do? Do you get tired of paying cash for things when you're like, you have so much money in your pocket? Yeah, so the ongoing joke with a group of my friends is like, oh, I wonder what sock drawer it's in. And the truth is, it wasn't a sock drawer. Like, I, at one point, I mean, I had like $15,000 in cash just sitting in a sock drawer, and, you know, in, in my basement. And yeah, it's scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, like one, one good fire or... Oh, my God, somebody, a fire, somebody, yes. Somebody breaks in, like, it's, it's gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why I would invest in gold and keep those gold bars <laughs> under your bed instead. Yeah, I mean, even uh, if they melt, out, you'll be able to, like, pick up the whatever it melts into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm surprised Bundes isn't a cash guy. Like with your distrust in government and stuff, I would think that you would like have money in a box as well and not in a bank. Um, I uh, I have seriously considered on many occasions pulling out all of my investments and like buying gold or something that I could actually hold on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was recently looking into Bitcoin. Like I, I just keep fearing that the market's going to crash soon. Like, like the just inflation. the whole idea of like having money and well, <laughs> banks. Well, like the money system, like the, the dollar is, is money that's created out of nothing. Right. So like, like the way a bank works is, when you when you put in a hundred dollars, the bank can take ninety percent of that hundred dollars and then loan out that ninety sure. percent. So they don't actually have that money on hand; they're just creating it out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're with, making money from money. Yes. So with the inflation, with the way the inflation is kind of going right now, and you're seeing in the in, in the states a little bit, um, and and COVID, I'm just I'm 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 wondering, you know, you're seeing guys pulling money out of the stock markets like. I don't know. I'm just waiting uh, for it to all fall apart. I'll tell you what. If the whole system falls apart, I don't think those gold bars are going to help you either. You're going to have to pay people by providing a service. You're going to have to fuck your way to whatever you want or something. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be like, Sell your okay, body. Uh, I want what you have. I will do this for you to get that. Like if we lose <laughs> currency, yeah. you know. Hey, yeah. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. <laughs> Banks yeah. are scammers, man. Just Everybody's having, a scammer. I've just uh, renegotiated yeah. a mortgage, and I, I can't tell you, I, I did not enjoy the process at all. I did not no, enjoy I, the process at all. I, I'm lucky. Like, I like the people at my bank. They they know who I am, and, like, every time I come in, they know me by name, so that, that, that definitely helps. Yeah. And, you know, they're always super honest with me and stuff like that. Like, I, I've done work for them on their houses, and they understand, like, so... Whenever like I need to go in and get a loan or something like that for for work, they're always super helpful and like they do help me get approved a little bit easier than than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would say, but I mean it's still it's still super hard. So like just keeping that extra cash just to you know a to stick it to the man kind of thing and b just to kind of have around because like if something ever happens like the way the market's going like the housing markets like. You know, Canada just hit an all-time high with our dollar yesterday in the last six years. We're like at something cents to the dollar right now. Whatever, yeah, that means it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you, though, if you could put 20% down, 
And you didn't need CM, C, I forget what it's called. What's the insurance, uh, the C, CMHC or something Whatever like that? It is, yeah. If you put 20% down, that's not enough equity in the home for them to want to loan you the money? Because they can nope. always just take the home back when you don't make your payments, you know? Right. You'd think that. That's like yeah. I thought that was the whole idea of putting a down payment. Yeah, is so but, you're like invested no. in the product and you would lose something if they take it from you. Yeah, but uh, still, no, like the 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 rates that they give, like they have this new thing called the stress test now. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. So like even if I put, you know, 20% down, which is above, you know, first time home buyers is 5%. Like if I put 20% down, I'm still not guaranteed to get that mortgage. Yeah. So what do you need? 30%? Have they given you a percentage? 100%. You need to pay in cash. Wow. You need that shoebox yeah. to come out and buy a house. That's what Clint Eastwood <laughs> always said in that movie. I forget. What, was it Gran Torino? No, it was Million Dollar Baby that you should buy your house in cash with a briefcase of money, no mortgage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boom. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the States. <laughs> some shitty town in the States. Like you look at some houses in the states and what they you can live large in some cities yeah. for 300 grand you know oh, for yeah. the, for the cost of for less than a one bedroom condo in downtown Toronto you could have a pool and a new house in a lot of american cities oh yeah just just for laughs i was looking at like housing markets in the in the states and like down in texas like there was this beautiful mansion like unreal like on on its own private lake pretty much um, and a house here would have went for like two, three million dollars. Like down there, it was like four hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that's that's ridiculous. Plus, they have low taxes, but you know they got a few other things that you got to yeah, pay for, got, like healthcare. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do? Build your own goddamn house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What, <laughs> what kind of trade do you do? That, that is the dream. So I do I do a lot of exterior work. So I do siding, soffit, fascia, eaves, trough, you know, windows, doors, steel roofs and stuff like that. Like, mm. and, but like I've touched on all of the trades. Like I went to school. Well, plus like every guy who I know who does trades when it comes to home building, they trade each other their services. Mm-hmm. When they build, they get yeah. a piece of land, they'll be like, I'll do the brickwork, you do the foundation, I'll do the, you know what I mean? Awesome. And, Awesome. And people yeah. work together and then they end up doing that. But yeah, like, but just getting your foot in the door of just getting that piece of property to build your house, like you still have to go through a bank pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like unless, unless you can work out a private deal with somebody who doesn't want to put it on the market and get top dollar for it. Like mm-hmm. that's the way it's, it's kind of going. Like it's not a lot of people like that. <laughs> Yeah. That's like it always makes me laugh. Like I remember when Maura sold her house, people write these letters yeah. like they're gonna mean anything to anybody. Oh, my family have been dreaming about living in a semi-detached in Toronto, and this is all we can afford. But you could help make our dream come true. Meanwhile, whoever comes in with the highest offers always getting the house. Yeah, unless the, it's the, the one time. The heartfelt letter does help. I wrote a heartfelt letter. I write a letter almost every time and you, just be like, "You hey. told me you sold it to the person who offered you the most but money." But they also. Even gave us a heartfelt letter. <laughs> yeah, but you had lots of heartfelt letters. You would have never taken less money because the letter was better. Well, it, unfortunately, yeah. we had purchased a property where we needed a certain amount of money to be able, you know, we yeah. had to sell it for a well, certain who's amount. Who's not in that boat? <laughs> I mean, look, I've heard of it a couple of times where somebody sold to the low offer because they wanted to help a family, but that's... That's rare. That's rare. Very yeah. rare. Very rare. I almost had one of those, like, at the beginning of the pandemic where somebody was wanting to, somebody had passed away and it was an estate sale and we were going to buy it privately to do a little bit of a flip. 
But then, you know, we ran into some problems with like property lines and apparently the, the homeowner did some additions that weren't, you know, on records and stuff. So there's going to be a lot of headaches. And, you know, once I kind of brought that up, the deal just kind of fell through. And mm. then they put it on the market and said, we're not, you know, if somebody asks, we'll, we'll disclose it. But until then, you know, and then they ended up selling it and they only made like 10 grand more than what we were offering. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, they gambled and they lost. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, they gambled so, and got 10 grand well, more. <laughs> I, well, let me yeah. tell you, about, like speaking of mortgages and homes, I locked down my mortgage uh, just before the pandemic hit. Oh. And I thought I got a pretty good rate. You and then poor now, bastard. I know. Yeah. Now I'm looking at my five-year loan or this five-year term. <laughs> fixed rate. Yeah. Fixed rate. And I'm like, God, I gambled and I lost. <laughs> Should have went variable. Now's the time to get a mortgage for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're hoping. If you in the door, then you're you're good. But yeah, this is really turning into a mortgage uh, tax uh, kind of podcast lately. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it is but interesting gotta, to see it from the other you. side. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a challenge. Like I'm, you know, like I said, I'm 31 years old. I'm I'm still living at home, and like that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, the card I've been dealt, so I have to kind of deal with it and and save up. And it's in the long run, it's going to be more than twenty percent. Like I feel like I'm going to have to put, you know, probably fifty or sixty percent down in the end in a couple Jeez. of years. So. Is there any possibility of like a parent or a grandparent or a, maybe a partner like being able to co-sign on a mortgage with you so you can get that money invested and in, and you know not have it sitting in a sock drawer? Um, yes, there, there is that potential. Like I have talked with my, with my parents about it, but then at the same time, like, I don't want to tie them up in this, in this market should something happen. Yeah. Then they're, yeah. Taking a fall for, yeah. yeah. Things collapse and you don't have any money or you break an ankle, God forbid, knock on wood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing down more than just me. I mean, they, they, Okay, uh, hot partner. Get a partner that uh, has a wife or husband or whatever. Yeah. Somebody who makes a lot of money in a job that has a T4 at the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, I I have a girlfriend, and I mean, she's, you know, she's clearing 100 and... 145 a year so like that, that's what's the problem what? dude <laughs> you can get but a pretty good mortgage yeah she already owns her own home though but it's it's not in in the location that i need to be like we right. live on yeah. and she works from home i don't mm. so for me to just kind of pick up and move you know an hour or two away makes a big difference for my work. I'm basically starting from scratch again. Let me tell you what Bundus would do if he was in your situation. He'd move in with that girlfriend and he'd quit his job and live large there. (laughs) (laughs) Bundus, right? Like someone could take care of you and you could just work part-time anywhere? No, I don't think that's... I don't think I could do that. I might tell her to sell the house and move a little bit closer to me and like like buy something, you know, like buy something new together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and like we've discussed that too, but then it's like, you know, she's picky, I'm picky, so it's it's finding the right area and that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah, but no I, kidding, eh? It's uh, I mean, like, I'm sure Bundus will be good with that uh, that new Xbox that he just got, so as long as that can get moved into the new house, I'm sure Bundus will be happy. <laughs> the basement's mine, you can live wherever you want as long as I get the basement. <laughs> do whatever I want with. Bundus needs to have his own space if he ends up moving yeah. in with anyone. Uh, Jordan, thanks for uh, being a part of this podcast. We really appreciate it. No problem, guys. I, I love your show. I listen to it every day. I listen to the Take Two. I listen to the podcast. You know, I've 
I've been following you guys since, you know, from the other station that shall not be named. You know, I've <laughs> completely switched over. Like, Aww. you guys are all I listen to all day. Like, my preset on my truck radio, my work radios, like, everything's with Energy 95.3 now because of you guys. Wow, thank you for that. Thank you. No problem. I try and... I I'll try co-sign and- it, okay? I'll <laughs> co-sign. I'll co-sign the mortgage. Have your lawyer call my lawyer. I don't have actually a lawyer, but I'm sure I could find one. Just sounds like something people would say, right? Yeah, just as long as it's not one of those ones that Maura picked, like the... <laughs> Off the, off the Easy divorce. 1-800-CALL-A-LAWYER.COM. <laughs> hey, those guys are cheap and quick and good. Can't yeah. go wrong with them. As long as you don't have any problems, they're the ones you want, right? Yep. Jordan, take it easy. No problem. Have a good day, guys. Bye. And that'll do it for this portion of the podcast. Good hook, though. I see. I might be stomping my foot to this one. Slowly. It's kind of like ballad-ish, right? Yeah. Ballad-esque. Okay, once again, thanks to Jordan for coming on the podcast with us. And uh, hang on, don't go anywhere. The Daily Take Two is coming up next. A lot of people might be looking for a job in the not-too-distant future. I wonder how good you would be in a job interview. Here's a couple of tests for you. Okay. Here is scenario number one. You are in a job interview. It is going to be like a dream job for you. You really want it. Okay. The woman from HR that is doing the interview with you right now Mm -hmm. in a small room drops a huge bomb of the flatulence type. Oh, okay? <laughs> I thought you were going to say she said something. Okay. Big toot. Oh, toot? Like and a it's, audible? It's, it's, uh, it's obvious. It's obvious. It's a small room. Oh it's God. not going anywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> what is the right way to handle that situation? Mm-hmm. I wonder if you would know what the right thing to do is. I would act like it never happened and be... It, oh, my God. Thank you, Bundes. <laughs> Did you just do that, Bundes? He was going through the sound effects, I think. <laughs> yeah, Stop yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I would act like I didn't hear it and carry on with the interview, and I would be stealth, uh, no matter what was going on in the room. Okay, let's try right now. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Bundes! Bundes is so immature. Let's say there was no sound. It was your uh, it was your standard SD right there. Silent and deadly, okay? Uh, okay. Do you bring it up and, uh, and acknowledge the obvious or do you just ignore it? Bundes, what do you do in that situation? Your dream job? Uh, I'm going to call them out on it. You're going to call them out on it? Yeah. What are you going to say? Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. You're at a yeah. job interview and you're going to call someone out on that. Yeah, okay. like, seriously, uh, I, don't, I think you're joking, but I don't know. Like, if, if you were to say something, what would be the way to say something without being offensive that wouldn't prevent you from getting the job? I'll, I'll be like, yo, whatever you had to eat, get me some of that too. Oh. Like, I, I, would try and make, I would try and make a joke out of it because they're going to be feeling really awkward and wondering the whole time if you noticed, heard, or smell it. So you just got to like... 
you, you got to get it out of the way and you got to laugh about it. And mm. you can bond over the fart, you know? Okay. Okay. You think it's a bonding moment. I like maybe it brings a, you closer together. Maybe it's a test on how you'd handle adversity in the workplace. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I passed. Maybe more at just like. I passed. Bundus failed. One of you <sighs> is right. One of you is wrong. Nothing can deter my focus from the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what else you could do? I have. I had oh, I, did, I don't even. Oh, I don't want to hear your thought, I don't think. But yeah, go ahead. What's your thought? Okay, so. Yeah. So you. you you kind of hear something or or you smell a little bit and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to let you die alone over there. And you lift your cheek up oh, and, and you join the party. Okay. okay. Note to self, never talk about flatulence with Bundes ever again. Okay. He can't be trusted to have a mature conversation about something that everyone does. Yes. To him, it's still. I mean, to it's, him, it's it, an it, absolute. He probably has whoopee cushions. I mean, enough, enough. I can't stop him more from here. I can't. He's in full control of okay. all, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough, okay. I'm so good. who's right? Morris, right? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Bundes did not get the job. I got the job. This uh, is actually related to a job interview. It is being called the most bizarre question ever to come from a job interview, and I wonder if. Uh, one of you could figure out the w- right way to answer it because apparently there is a right way to answer this question. Mm-hmm. And the question is this. You've been given an elephant. Okay, someone's given you an elephant. You can't give it away. You can't sell the elephant. What would you do with the elephant? It's just like one of those things, if they can figure out what kind of brain you have. And apparently there is a right answer that I'm looking at. Well, I'm going to assume this is a job interview, and if you want a job, uh, they're they're going to want to hire you based on your ability to think on your feet and, and, and make money for the company, right? Yeah. So if you can't sell the elephant, you can't give it away, use the elephant to make you money somehow. Okay, and how are you going to do that? start a petting zoo or uh, you could do a show with the elephant or I don't know uh, birthday parties something like that like okay so that's wow. how Mora okay I Are you am using going the elephant to... to commute to this new job? <laughs> you say, well, it would be a great way to come I to work. I will uh, release the elephant you into... You can't give it away. You can't do that. No, I'm not going to give it away. Oh, okay. I'm going to release it into my backyard and take care of it and nurture it because that's what I do in difficult situations, I take what is given to me and I nurture it and make it better. But now you're you have you're in a deficit now for that elephant. Okay, this elephant is going to cost you a bit of money. I, I've heard they eat a lot. Okay, so one of you is right and one of you is wrong. Oh, it's, I wonder who it is. Is it is it fart guy who farted in the interview but still landed the job because he answered the question right? Is it fart guy? I By believe, the way, I believe that the elephant in the room is the fart. If anybody, if anybody is really concerned about having a terrible nickname, you should never just present yourself as fart, fart guy. guy. I am fart guy. We, 
<laughs> Did the fart happen before or after the elephant question? Because can I use the elephant <laughs> no. to say that the elephant no, no, farted? No, 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 okay, no. never mind. In this case, fart guy is correct. <laughs> yeah. No. Fart guy yeah. strikes again. The right answer is to open a business where you hire the elephant out for events. So Bundus was on abuse the right Abuse the chair. elephant? No, you don't have to abuse it. You <laughs> can hire it out and still like take care of it. I mean, the elephant exists. Know. You've got it. You're stuck with it. It's like you're not going to torture it. You you want to make some money from it, but also keep the elephant happy. So yeah, that's the right. There you go. Two scenarios. Hopefully you won't have to encounter either of them. Those are the worst scenarios of all time. What do you want me to do? Ask you, all right, name a time in your life where you had a challenge and how you dealt with it. Yes, that's typical. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is the, you know, everyone knows the typical ones. It's these challenges and knowing how to deal with them. There's a right way and a wrong Fart way. Fart guy gets the job? Oh, God. <laughs> well, I am no. shocked you're giving him the job. Only after based I on... said I would nurture the elephant. <laughs> two scenarios, two different job interviews, Mo. It's not the same job interview, I don't think. <laughs> okay? I don't know. You get one job, he gets the other. Okay. It's Tucker and Mora. I found myself saying, I will never come back here ever again. <laughs> like you literally said those words inside a store? <laughs> uh, I said it in my head. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'd different. say it to like the people that run the store. Okay. If I ever had a way of getting in touch with them. What went down? I got yelled at. It was the stupidest thing. My grocery store that I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars at over the years, mm-hmm. I walk in. I grab a basket, just okay. on my way home from work, have to pick up a few things. Yeah. Then they've got like the universal line, right? Where oh. everybody's in the one line. Yeah. So I go, there's not a single person in it. Okay. I see in the distance, there's like a woman working at the cash. I haven't been here in a while. I walk up and it turns out there's somebody just finishing loading like a couple of grocery items at the other end of the cash that I couldn't see from where I was standing. Gotcha. And she goes, she's like, oh. You need to back up. I'm like, okay. Yep. And then two cashiers start yelling at me. But you got to be back there. Get back behind the line. (sighs) There was no one standing at that universal line directing traffic. This is like a COVID kind of. uh, Yeah. yeah. This is like their policy, which is fine. If they have someone there saying, okay, go to cash four. Right. Okay, go to cash seven. Yeah. I'm literally standing there. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? (laughs) There was no one there. Right. Two cashiers are like literally treating me like I took my mask off and started coughing on them. Uh Uh-huh. You got to get back there. And then there's someone else like, back in the line, sir. Get back to the line. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. do it. I'm like, there was no one there. Uh-huh. You have to stand next behind the line. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave now. I just put down my cart and I walked out. I'm like, that, if that's your go-to response when it's not even busy. Yeah. I'm a rule follower. I'm not the guy who's going in there going, hey, I'm going to make my own rules as we come up here. It's hard to know. no idea. It's hard to know what every store's protocol is. And I was at a grocery store yesterday where they normally have a queue where somebody directs you. And the yeah. person that was doing the directing wasn't really paying attention. She was having a conversation with somebody else, like another employee. Yeah. And I, in that moment, I didn't know, do I go up to the cash? Do I go back? I don't know what to do. But if somebody started yelling at me in that moment, I would have been like, whoa. If you're going to treat your clientele here like that, I'm out of here. Wow. Never again.
Never again. I'll, I'll go out of my way now. I will. Yeah, that's it. Done. Done. <laughs> Bundes, I know you, you. I can see you rolling your eyes there. What I find interesting is off the air, you were telling us about several other instances of you having problems with businesses. Three places. Yeah, and Three I'm places. starting to wonder if the problem isn't the places, the problem is maybe you. <laughs> And your attitude. No. <laughs> and how you, and how you jump the gun. <laughs> Have I you ever... That. Okay, Maura. <laughs> Maura, you've been out with me a lot, a lot of times. Yes. Have you ever seen me act in a way that wasn't courteous and polite with people? No. At stores, restaurants, anywhere? Yeah, no, you're I very just, courteous and I ex- polite. You start with kindness. Yes. And then, yes. And then you see where it goes. Every All time. What I had to say is, sir, oh, do you mind? I need you to stand behind that line. I'd be like, yeah, no problem. Let me know. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Yes. Don't yell at me yeah. out of the gate. Penny sent us a text. She yeah. says, Tucker's right. Those people don't deserve to police people in that way. Yeah. We're going to get to your stories. Enough mm-hmm. about my stupid story. <laughs> I want you to tell us about that time you said, I'm never coming back here again. Just talking about that time you found yourself saying, I am never going to come back here ever again as a customer. Jeff, what's your story? I brought back a rake that was almost brand new. The actual uh, rake part came off the the handle. Oh, yeah. detached. And it was uh, like I paid 35 bucks for it. It wasn't a cheap rake. But anyways... I bring it back to the store and I say, listen, and it's, it's their product. I said, well, yeah, but, you know, you've had it for like, you don't even have a receipt for it. I said, look. I said, as you can see, it's almost brand new, the whole bit. I said, I'm not, I'm not looking for a refund. I said, just replace the rake. Yeah, I said, perfect. With that. And anyways, I said, well, no, we can't do that, the whole bit. So I grabbed my, uh, I grabbed my store credit card out. Yeah. And I said, uh, do you mind if I, uh, if I pay my balance, please? She goes, yeah, sure. And I said, now cut the card up. <gasps> oh! Cut it up! <laughs> I will never but need anyways, that again because I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> and I said, but anyways, I said, I, I wish you nothing but a great day. And I walked out. There you go. They lost a customer for life. You haven't gone back, have you? Well, like I've gone back for a couple small ah. things. But I, 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 <laughs> yeah, you caved. <laughs> you caved. Hang on, though. Yeah. I used to spend uh, probably $3,000 a year there. Oh, yeah. and you had the card, is, right? And that's a big deal for them, for you well, to have their credit well, card. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I've, I've spent maybe, that happened about uh, four years ago, I've, I've spent maybe, maybe $100 since then. Look at that. They lost out on thousands of dollars. Jeff, thanks for the story. Hey, no problem. Take care, guys. Tucker and Mora. What's going on, Tony? I got a story for you. That time that you said, oh, I will never come back here again. And it's been 18 years. 18. What happened? What kind of store well, was it? When I was single, I used to go to this barbecue place, this takeout place. I used to go there every other day. I would just walk in there and just say, uh, you know, just give me something, whatever is ready for me to take home. You and are like that. That's, that's what customer. we call a regular. <laughs> Every business relies on the regulars to pay the bills. 100%. Yeah. One day I walk in there. There's a lineup. I just go there, get around to, close to the counter like I always used to do. And the girl looks at me and says, are you here again? Don't you know how to cook at home? Oh. And I was so embarrassed. Because nobody, most of the customers didn't know who I was. So everybody's just staring at, staring at me and giving me the look. I just walked out and never went there again. Wow. Was that an employee or was that one of the owners that said No, that, that was one of the employees. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't even give him the satisfaction to say why I was pissed off. I just walked out all there all pissed off. 
and never went there. It's been 18 years. You know what I would do if I uh, worked at that place and I saw you come in every other day? Every time you walked in, I'd be like, Tony! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reg- Tony's, Tony's here! <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, no, no. Ready. I'm dating myself a little bit, but there's a TV show called Cheers, <laughs> and it was set in a bar. And yes. every time their biggest regular, Norm, walked into the place, everyone was like, Norm! Nobody sat you know, in Norm's seat. Yeah, yeah. They used to do that to me at Sugar Mountain when I would walk in and get like my <laughs> I was addicted to sugar. And they'd be like, hey, Mara. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it should be, right? Yeah. Hey Tony, thanks, man. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you. A US fighter pilot says that she feels a responsibility to share what she saw in the skies because she was in a government aircraft and she was on the clock at the time. And she did share it, even though when she landed and told people what she saw with her colleague who concurred the story, they were both made fun of at the time. This was in 2004. Yeah. So crazy because this story was just released on 60 Minutes this past weekend. And for the very first time, I stopped channel surfing and actually watched the show. Oh, yeah. I've been telling you how great that show is for a long time. <laughs> Did you enjoy the segment? Yeah, it was a great segment. I would say... They really dove deep. You if, know? They, if they have 20 segments over the course of several months, maybe one of them would be like, oh, all right, that didn't really go... Anywhere. Anywhere. But most of what they cover is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these two U.S. Navy fighter pilots saw something they couldn't explain. It was a churning patch of white water on the ocean's surface and a tic-tac-looking object that appeared to be hovering without any sort of propulsion. And they got it on camera, and here's what it sounded like when they were in the skies. Moving target? No, I took an auto track. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, dude. You know what's They're funny? pretty excited. Most of the time when you hear pilots, it's super boring. Yes, know? yes, like yes. You, you listen to Sully Sullenberger, right? Mm-hmm. Guy mm-hmm. loses both engines on his commercial plane. Mm-hmm. Has to land the plane in the Hudson River mm-hmm. beside Manhattan in New York City. And he's like, oh, Peter Brolger, don't. You know, he's just talking like in his normal voice. <laughs> These people are the exact opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are those now the that's... people you want flying the military planes? And people are like, <laughs> That's, I think, when they locked in on the uh, tic-tac-looking craft. Because they couldn't, like, lock it in. And then, they locked it in. And then they're on it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Top Gun. like, oh, Jester's dead. (laughs) Yeah, but you can understand when you're watching Top Gun what they're saying. That, you have no clue. <laughs> the crazy, okay, so the crazy thing is, is these yeah. are these are UFOs. They don't know what they are. They, the technology they can't, they can't understand it. They disappear after they connect with them on that radar, 
And one of the lieutenants said, if these were jets from another country that were mm-hmm. hanging out up there, this would be a massive issue. But because it looks slightly different, we're not actually willing to look the problem in the face. We're actually happy to ignore that these things are out there and watching us. I wonder, you know? what, they, I wonder what they would have said if they were jets from another country. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they seem so excited. Honestly, the most animated pilots I've ever heard in cockpit recordings <laughs> in the history of listening to cockpit recordings. They're very excited about the UFO. Those are the kind of people we want up there, not no, somebody who's terrified. So. No, no, we want the people who are calm and cool. <laughs> we don't want. Uh. Enough. It's Tucker and Mora. We were talking about those Navy pilots who saw something unsettling. A UFO, if you will. (laughs) They were very excited with what they saw. It really is. You know, I'll go back to what we were talking about before. It's it's a bit of a departure for what you normally hear when it comes to cockpit recordings. <laughs> it totally normally, it is. sounds like the most boring guys ever. Yeah. Even Sully Sull- Sullenberger, right? Mm. Like, guy landed a plane in the Hudson River with no engines. Like, he had to crash land the plane. Mm-hmm. And listening to him... It was like, all right, we're going to go. We're going to go. You know, like, there was no... He was told... Oh my God, you know You know what I mean? There was no chaos. You're right. Okay, but this is a question I have for you. How insane of a display would have to be in front of you for to be for you to be like, put it on the record. I need to let people know. See the the like the spaceship hovering in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But even if it's hovering in front of you, no one's there, no one can see it, you're gonna call it in? Yeah, I wouldn't call it in. Yeah, no, nah, that's not enough for me. It's not enough for me. What? Nah, yeah, you I gotta see the beam of light coming down and like someone being sucked up and taken <laughs> yeah. away before I bother to pick up the call. Because the amount of drama that you would have to go through with like the government and this agency oh. and that agency after I mean, who knows? They might throw you in a bag in the back of the, the cruiser and <laughs> And then Will Smith comes out with that little <laughs> Flashy thing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like zaps your face. Zaps your face. Yeah. Even, okay, so human abduction, <laughs> you're calling it in because you feel like now I got to act responsibly. Yeah. What if it's an animal? What if it's like a deer or <laughs> a black bear or something? I'll say a little prayer. And w- w- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're not calling that in, nah, right? Nah, nah. It's got to be some sort of human tra- tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> Can we blame them for liking venison? I mean... Well, it's a delicious cut of meat. I mean, there certainly are no shortage of deer on the planet. <laughs> no shortage of humans either. But I still, I draw the line at, yeah, humans. I, I'm with you, Bundes. I got to see something. Or I got to see them building a weapon that may be used against our planet one day. Mm-hmm. Like they're lowering a giant gun into a hole mm-hmm. that looks like it could shoot a ray and blow up a planet. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, I better tell somebody here for the good of everybody. If that happens... Calling 911 is not going to do much, just so you know. Yeah, but also, you've got nowhere to go. If they're going to blow up your planet, it's not like you can get in your car and be like, all right, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to head out of town. (laughs) Won't matter. So you better call somebody. It's Tucker and Mora in the morning. Energy 95.3. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.